Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. And today we're going to talk a little bit about The Incredibles 2 and Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Uh, but before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? <laughs> on this podcast, we like to talk about games, but also sometimes movies and other stuff. Uh, Jurassic World and Incredibles 2 are the kind of like big blockbuster summer releases that we tend to end up talking about. So we figured we'd bundle those two bad boys into... Uh, yep. Into one episode. I like that. I like that you you stumbled a little bit saying Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom out loud because of kind of how ridiculous a name that is. Yeah. No. Like I realized that I didn't actually know the name of the movie until after I saw it. <laughs> I just knew it was like the the new Jurassic Park movie. I thought it was Jurassic Park. I didn't realize it was it was Jurassic World Two or whatever. Yeah. I'd be calling it Jurassic Park Five because um, that is effectively what it is. What, what, um. Which movie do we want to start out with? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, I guess we're already talking about. Um, I guess we're already talking, talking about, about Jurassic Park and uh, or Jurassic, Jurassic World. World. Uh, excuse me, everyone. <laughs> um, well, at the top of this, uh, we're, we're going to go into spoilers, but before we do, um, let's give quick one more reviews on both of them. Uh, uh, Incredibles first. I thought Incredibles was pretty good. Um, if you liked Incredibles one. You can see it again. I don't think it, I didn't think it was spectacular though, and uh, Fallen Kingdom I thought was um, incredibly dumb, um, but still maybe has value as a blockbuster. Um, <laughs> but it was it was possibly one of the stupidest movies I've ever seen. Yeah, Jurassic World is one of the stupidest, baddest movies I've ever seen. It is the kind of inheritor in in a lot of ways to uh, to like what Ghost in the Shell was for us last year. I feel like. Um, and, uh, and I'm sure we'll get more into that in a minute. And then, uh, for me, Incredibles 2 is kind of, like, less than the sum of its parts. Um, but, you know, it's, it's fine. <laughs> I guess. I, like, I, I, I like the description of, of less than I actually kind of have, like, I actually kind of have a, a, a something of a, of a hot take about the Incredibles that I don't want to, that I don't want to spoil. We can get into it a little bit. Well, do we, do we uh, want to do the Incredibles first? That way we can do this hot take. Okay, so here's my here's wait, my wait, hot first, take, and I want to say wait hold hold okay hold on before we get your hot take spoilers if you want to see these movies before listening to this podcast go look, watch these movies it will be spoilers for Incredibles two probably Incredibles one Jurassic Park two and probably all the other Jurassic Park movies uh, so uh, go watch those movies spoilers you've had enough time all right go what's your hot take okay so so by the way I want to I want to just recognize that I have a lot of hot takes and I know that some of them are like dumb like in a lot of ways some of these things are kind of like purposefully dumb or like I kind of play up how sort of like out there they are because sure. I think it's funny right or like you know thought-provoking or interesting or whatever because I do legitimately think that I look at movies in a way that's different than a lot of other people do right and we've talked about this a little bit before yeah. about like you know the way Batman that I, versus uh, Superman right the way that I talk about kind of quality or whatever and so purely from my perspective right from, like if you can root yourself in my brain looking out of my eyes for a minute this the Incredibles two is Batman versus Superman, but bad. <laughs> so, and that's what I was thinking when I came out of the theater. But that's like that's not like a like a qualitative judgment. It's actually just kind of more. It's it's talking a lot more about kind of like my preferences and stuff like that. Um, 
All right. Because at Bre- the end break of the that day, down for me. Yeah, because at the end of the day, I actually think they're talking about a lot of similar things, right? Um, about how the the public interacts with people that are superheroes, right? How the media interacts with people that are superheroes. How perception matters, um, and and how I mean, like, just kind of from a just kind of like from a plot construction point of view the movie is structured around a like a mega millionaire billionaire tycoon you know setting up false flags for uh a popular you know like for for superheroes around their kind of perception and popularity or whatever right um but whereas i kind of forgive some of the you know like i wouldn't call batman for superman realistic but i don't think it wants to be because i think it's mythic right it is it's talking about like you know like high caliber philosophy like what you know what godhood means right so you don't really have to be kind of like you don't have to be hyper realistic about some of this stuff um but i feel like the incredibles wasn't going for that sort of thing and it was trying to be quote-unquote like more realistic like it was more of a marvel movie where it's talking about like everyday lives than it was like a dc movie where it's like myth making and um and that kind of created this weird tension and dissonance, like, for me, that I just kind of, I, I almost kind of, like, couldn't get over. I also feel like a lot of these ideas are very, like, half-baked um, and don't go really anywhere. Like, a lot of things get name-checked and sort of, like, brought up, and they're very thought-provoking, right? Like, holy shit, man, like, Screenslaver is practically quoting, like, Jean Baudrillard... Um, he, he, like, he wrote a book called Simulacra, or, like, Simulacra and Simulation or whatever, right? And he's practically quoting it about, like, the unreality of our current state of living, right? And how, um, you know, the more that we interact with kind of, like, screens and stuff like that, we are, we are immersing ourselves in this illusory world where kind of nothing has, like, true meaning. There is no real, because everything is a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy or whatever. And I was like, wow, like, that's actually, like really kind of complex and interesting but i'm bringing a lot to that conversation you know what so, I mean? like, so so I, i've got i've got a take that is kind of in that vein um maybe not as 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 as, as searing as yours is but um <laughs> um incredibles one is, is is known as being a, a fairly libertarian movie and i think this is the uh the heir to that um in a lot of ways i think it also plays to those themes a lot um in a way that i wasn't expecting exactly but in its um, basically, by subversion of my expectations, uh, that that kind of comes out, right? Like it's the anti, like so for the whole movie, I was jumping back and forth be- between who I thought was going to end up being the secret villain behind yeah. the screen slaver, whether it was going to be the brother or the sister. I could have seen it going either way, um, and kind of like what I'm going to call like the the more traditional take is that like the brother has set up the screen slaver as like a false flag to sell toys or something, right? Like right, right, insert yeah. generic. Um, corporate villainy plot, but instead they went with the the anti-consumerist is wrong um, plot and like you know like got a you know the, the, oh my the, god she's an anti-consumerist holy shit I didn't even think about it along those lines you know it's funny because I do think of uh, the Incredibles as kind of like a fairly um, you know libertarian objectivist individualist kind of movie in in a lot of those ways um, though I I think there I think there is a weakness to that reading that a lot of people sure. don't really. Uh, don't really acknowledge but anyway um and uh but but for some reason i guess i almost kind of like overlooked it on this movie 
Yeah, I, I was totally with you because I thought it was either going to be he is running a false flag for uh, I, I pretty much guessed the entire plot to be honest uh, right as it right as it was introduced um, because of the line where she was like or they could have just gone to the safe house or whatever and I was yeah. like oh, isn't that her resentment I bet that's motivating her to like fucking like do this shit I was kind of off because they never did a see but I actually think that something that they were really seriously missing was kind of the connective tissue this is like the big failing of the movie kind of plot wise um, and how it doesn't it doesn't really make a lot of sense for the villain plan to be this villain plan I was expecting her to say something like my brother's an idiot and I, you know, like, I had to invent a villain for him to be successful because I love him and I want him to, you know what I mean? Like, I want him to preserve his, like, innocence or something along those sorts of lines. Because otherwise, it really makes zero sense for her to be the screen slaver. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I, I when, it, when I thought it was going to be generic corporate plot, I thought it was going to be, like, it was going to be something that she invented that she, like, forgot about or was, like, a prototype or something that he then... Like, they, they pay lip service to that plot, right? It's like, imagine if I gave it to my brother, imagine what he'd do with it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I assume, like, that's what I thought the plot was going to be, and, like, the thing about her parents was going to, it was, it was a red herring. Um, uh, just because, like, that that's also, like, the entire character of the brother seems like a red herring to me. So I thought, like, one, one has to be a red herring. It, it was a thing that bounced around in my, I had a lot of, basically the entire movie was me trying to figure out which sibling was the actual bad guy. Um... Until obviously, yeah, the, yeah. The, 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 until the, until it was revealed, yeah, yeah. Um, but you're right. The plot was incredibly. I I didn't grab the like wants to ruin heroes for everybody plot immediately. Um, although I guess I should have because that's like yeah, that's kind of what I mean. Is that like that seemed just kind of a little out of left field, and I have a little bit. I mean, I have this fr same fringe logic with sort of like Lex Luthor's like fourth dimensional chess and Batman vs Superman, where it's kind of like. That like, when you sit down and think about it, that doesn't make sense. The, to be honest with you, I, I am getting more forgiving of this flaw as time goes on. Because, honestly, everyone... Every superhero movie has this at this point. You know what I mean? Where these plans don't make a lot of sense with the, with the more you think about them. I mean, like, fucking... We talked about it with Infinity War. You know what I mean? Like, we talked about it uh, with, with Civil War, Batman vs. Superman, right? Even, like, you know, like... I don't know. Maybe maybe Black Panther, he, like his plan was pretty like reasonable um, and made and like made sense or whatever. But at the end of the day, I kind of feel like the more of these superhero movies we get, the more we get of these kinds of nonsense plans that you just kind of have to be like, what suspension of disbelief? Fine, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So I don't want to hold that against the movie like too much. Yeah. I I, I don't think the 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 plot like I don't think that point is so nonsensical right like i don't think her plan to get superheroes um the superheroes basically persona become persona non grata was too crazy um, oh really yeah just be like, i thought it didn't make any sense at all i was like why the fuck are you gonna get superheroes legalized you know what i mean like i mean uh why why, do, why does she need to have them sign the paper before oh she okay so so that you know like they that, are already illegal why are you helping your brother legalize them just to make them illegal all over again you know what i mean so like, so so basically what i took out of that is that she needed an event it didn't really matter like she needed an event where like a bunch of heroes would be on camera and like it just happened that this was the most convenient thing that came up first was was my take on it um like it didn't need to be legalization it was just like the cameras were only going to show on show on everybody when it happened 
uh, when the signing happened, that that's why it, it waited. Although I do tend to agree with you that they should have just like, like, as soon as the cameras were rolling, like they should have started shooting people right instead of just yeah. It, um, I, I don't know. I also think that there's other parts of the, like this is kind of why I, what I mean the movie is less than the sum of its parts because um, I I don't think the whole fits together so well, but I think there are like good bits and pieces in here. Um, and, uh, and, you know, like, another piece of that is I think the entire B-plot around Mr. In- Mr. Incredible being, like, a fucking dad or whatever was, like, the most boring, least thought. It was just, I, 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 it was so empty, you know, like, I was insanely bored anytime it, like, cut back to, like, Violet and her boy problems. Dash, who had nothing to do. Right, like, for yeah. practically the whole movie. Um, even, like, the Jack-Jack stuff was, like, visually interesting. And there's kind of, like, a nugget of an of an idea in there. Um, something that I thought was a little bit interesting is that this whole, like, you know, bit with the raccoon, which, you know, was, like, was... It was actually kind of interesting just from, like, a, a visual perspective, right? Like, I could get into it just from kind of the, the, the comedy of the bit. Um... But I do think it's interesting that, like, Jack-Jack sees the burglar on screen and then misinterprets the raccoon as a burglar and then goes after the raccoon and causes all this kind of, like, destruction. And this is a little bit... This is kind of one of those parts or whatever. It's like, oh, that's actually kind of what Screenslaver is talking about, right? Where people don't have... Like, people don't interact with each other in a real way, right? He... Jack-Jack is someone who looks at a screen misinterprets what he sees and does something bad because of that misunderstanding um and that this is exactly what kind of screen slaver is talking about and i i just feel like that's a reach you know like it's in there there's a nugget of that in there and it's something i i want to be more kind of like real and that i can actually kind of like grasp onto and chew on in the way that i feel like i can chew on that sort of stuff um in Batman vs Superman, which is talking about a lot of the same shit, right? Uh, but like, I don't know. They just did. There's just not enough there. Um, yeah. The other thing is the um, the other thing is like the camera in her bodysuit or whatever. I was waiting for this moment where like, you know, like that's the piece of evidence, right? Like they they go and they look at it and it's like that's how we know what's up. Oh, see what? Okay, so what I was waiting for was kind of this reveal around the um the the reveal around Elastigirl's camera like humanizing her do you know what i mean like i so so this was kind of a trajectory that i expected the plot to go on and it didn't go anywhere near this but i kind of wanted it to right where um you know she has like a she has like a a superhero fight or whatever and sort of fails in the line of duty and everybody in like the public turns on her because of this because of the perception of that failure right but then they kind of do they kind of release the body cam footage and it shows to the public how hard she tried you know what i mean like and that she's she's just she's not super she's just a person and she's trying her best and sometimes that's not enough and you know uh, and that sometimes you you make mistakes, um, and that that would kind of be like this moment that sort of like brings supers down uh, to down to earth a little bit for people. And that perception that he talks about in the beginning of the movie, where he's like, superheroes were defeated by perception. That perception problem kind of gets solved because all of a sudden it's not about you know Elastigirl, it's about you know Helen Parr, 
the 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 person who tried her best and came up short. Do you know what I mean? Like like a, from, from like an empathetic sort of perspective. I, but I they see... never do that, and they never talk, and they never, you know, they pay lip service to this idea of perspective. But no one in the movie has the perspective of the bystander. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, I I think that that's like I just don't think that that's what they were going for. I actually enjoyed the uh, the 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 dad scenes, the dad, dad Mister Invincible, Mister Incredible, just because I I thought it was fun. Um, you know, at some level, it, it, it is a kid's movie, right? And I wasn't trying to mine too hard for, for, for themes. Um, you know, like, this is another thing for, for, for the, uh, the Uber man to overcome and his fatherhood. Um, and, you know, you know, he, he keeps it together and then he passes it off to, to the, the Ayn Rand stand-in to make, uh, costumes, uh, I guess. Uh, and, I, and you know, I, I thought it was just mostly fun, fun. And I, I, I think that... The reason you didn't get that perspective on Elastigirl is, again, kind of this movie is about, like, the strength of the individual, right? Um, and so she, she, I think they want her to succeed because she's supposed to be, like, great and, like, doing it on her own. Um, and she is the hero for most of this movie, right? Like, like most of the movie is, 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 is the, uh, is the Elastigirl story. She does all of, like, the, the big kind of things. And yeah, like the legwork. Yeah. And then even even in on the ship, right? Like, um, Mister Incredible and Frozone and the family's roles are, are much uh, much more secondary um, to to Elastigirl's role in uh, in taking out the uh, uh, taking out the villain. Um, uh, but I I also thought that like they were trying to go for like a work life balance type thing um, bit, and I was and. They, they kind of undercut it at the end. I thought that like that last scene where they're, they're dropping off Violet and uh, the boyfriend at the movie theater, I thought it was going to be like, like I thought they were going to drop them both off and be like, it's okay for you to sit this one out and be normal for a while. The rest of us. Yeah. And then go. she goes, yeah. And then she goes with them or whatever. Yeah. Um, so they didn't do that. So I, I don't know. I just, I, I think, I think you're definitely right on like, this is like the less than the sum of its parts just cause it's, it tries to tackle kind of very disparate themes rather than ones that kind of complement each other and it ends up doing less of a great job on each of them. Yeah, no, I definitely feel that. Because, like, it is one of the... Like, I get what you're saying, and I think that all of this stuff is in there, but none of it is, like, fleshed out in a real way. Um, and, and I can't even, like... What is the movie really saying about, you know, kind of, like, perception being more important than reality what is the movie really saying about kind of um you know individualism or whatever like i don't i i think there's yeah. a lot of ideas that are brought up but are never conclusive like conclusively sort of um you know brought to kind of uh a, a conclusion and at all you know what i mean i there's it's just kind of like name checking a lot of things but not following those ideas into a real kind of perspective and sort of staking some ground to say here here is what you know here is what we believe sort of thing yeah um i think i don't Man, I, no, it, can i just say that it is a little grim that the so <laughs> so if the villain is i can't remember her name eve is the anti-consumerist does that suggest that she is like not better than her brother because she can't sell the stuff? You know what I mean? Like the the stuff she creates is not worth anything because she can't market it. Um, 
I don't... And that the marketing is more important than the actual product itself? I don't know if that's the case. I, I don't, like... I, I think she's... I, I, I don't think the movie's trying to trying to push that perspective. Right? Because they have that conversation openly, right? Like, and I think... I actually really love that conversation. Yeah. I that conversation too. was great. I was like, wow, that is like insanely deep but but again they didn't come to a conclusion about it they were just like well if i look at it from this side that's what i say and if i look at it from the other side that's what i say yeah and i think i think it does want to straddle the line on that like i think it kind of wants to say that like both are important um uh i also think that it's it's i feel like part of it is like the, it felt like maybe they just didn't want to like full throat and embrace like the 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 kind of more more capitalist themes like they keep like even at the end of the movie even though, like, the brother has been shown to be, like, a, a, a dude who really just wants heroes to, like, save the world again. The, like, last part, like, his last part in the movie is them being, like, should we keep an eye on him? Even though there's, like, not necessarily a, a, a huge uh, a need need to, I mm -hmm. guess. Like, it, it felt like maybe maybe they just didn't want to be, like, you know, like, yeah, the rich guy was right all along. Um, but I, I don't know. That, that might be me reading into it too much. Yeah, because in a way, I almost think that that's like a bleaker sort of reading. Because in a way, like, if you accept that that's true, right, you're also kind of accepting that, like, his philosophy is sort of like the right philosophy. And, yep, the only thing that matters is perception. You can lie all you want, you know, as long as you... I, I, we kind, I mean, what? maybe is this like a comment on, like, fake news, you know, like, you know, that kind of stuff? Like, oh, man, like, anything... You know, we, we live in a post-fact world or whatever they call it, post-truth. You know, like world yeah. or something. Um. Yeah, I because I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like that that's not the message, though. Just because I know I, I don't think that's the message either. Be, because just, kind like, of because the, the, because the point yeah. is is that like they are good people behind the scenes, right? Like it's not yeah. the, like that that you need like that like the cynical point is that the marketing is more important because it doesn't matter what the actual truth is, like. Uh, I know, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because I that's the conversation that they, like, implicitly yeah. have. This is, I mean, <laughs> it just doesn't hold together, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what else to say. Like, it doesn't seem like, like um. <laughs> I, I, I feel like the other part of it, too, is that, like, it's, like, being, being good is it, like, you have to be good behind the scenes, too, right? Because, because that's, that is part of it, right? Like, like, um, in the moment of betrayal, uh, the Eve or whatever her name is says 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 to Elastigirl right like why did you trust me? And he's like because that's like you know like because you're supposed to be a good person right like it is the essential outcome of that situation, and and like I am doing this because even though it might be advantageous for me to do something else I am a good person, um which is kind of like a very very flat morality I guess but like it's like I guess. I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I also don't think that the movie was, was meant to be analyzed this way, um, which I know is kind of a cop-out answer, but I, th I think that's just kind of the truth. See, yeah, yeah. I, I think that really, uh, I, I feel I feel good about it, describing it in that way, where it's just kind of, it's it's like a kitchen sink approach, and not everything goes down the drain, you know? Not yeah. really anything goes down the drain where I think, I don't think it really concludes any of these thoughts at all, except for maybe at the very end when Violet is like, she's only going to get like two years in prison because she's rich, which I thought was like a brutal indictment of like the kind of uh, uh, <laughs> like moral moralizing that comes into a lot of these superhero movies 
where it's like, oh, we put the bad guy in prison. Good job. You know what I mean? Like, and then the day is saved sort of thing um, where it's like, well, no, actually, it's a lot harder to get justice than you might otherwise uh, than you might otherwise think. See, I, I saw that as kind of like the 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 wanting to be like. Well, the, the rich guy was good, but really we need to like step this back three steps at the very end before we end the movie on a, on a high point for the millionaire. Um, like, cause, cause that came like the same breath as like the, we need to keep an eye on, on, on the brother stuff. And, and that just felt like a, a weirdly like, Oh man, we're being too positive on, in this direction. We need to walk it back real quick for no real reason. Cause like it also, it's also coming out of Violet, right. Who has like earlier in the movie is kind of like being dramatic um uh i don't know is is the is the fact that they erased her boyfriend's mind like commentary on like the evils of the government i don't really think so um but that's yeah. like her role in that in that position as well um but i do get your point it just, it just seemed like more throwaway to me than than anything else fair enough um uh before before we run out of time on this section i did want to ask you what you thought of the of of the short of bow oh i actually was like i actually kind of almost want to know what you think of the short as bow so i because i've i've hear i'm hearing a lot of kind of like i guess almost like i I don't want to make this a race thing even though it is a race thing because i i hear a lot of like white people takes that are like they're like yo what the fuck you know what i mean so so the like I thought the so the story fully considered is like classic. I don't think it's particularly racially tied, right? Like the kind of like mother wanting to hold on to their child um, into adulthood. I think is very, very kind of like classic and not like a, and, and, and very kind of multicultural. Not a thing that necessarily ties to Asian culture in particular. Um, the only thing that struck me as weird was that like because it's a Pixar short and reality you know rules don't the rules of reality don't always make sense like for the first part of the short i thought like the dumpling kid was a real thing right like that it was actually dumpling kid and so when she ate it i was like what the fuck (laughs) (laughs) i I saw i to to illustrate this point i saw a tweet from two hours ago that says hello i'm breaking etiquette by turning my phone on in the theater to tweet this the short before incredibles 2 what the living fuck am i watching okay phone off (laughs) because i want you to know that when she ate the dumpling i too was like what (laughs) um but i was actually i was actually fairly touched by and i am yeah I no am absolutely so i am so skeptical of kind of the emotioneering of uh of the of of pixar stuff you know like i've talked about how like inside out doesn't work for me because like fucking bong bong or whatever the fucking you know the clown imagine, yeah i was just like oh fuck yourselves like it's it just feels so like manipulative to me um and uh but like but uh but so you know i lived in japan for a year and my stepmother is japanese so i really understand um the kind of and and i don't know that this is something that like if you've never made like dumplings as a family though i'm sure you could substitute it with kind yeah of, like, no whatever like the, it is. This, this works for like you know making ravioli or, yeah like, yeah no that's a like great pierogies. like it doesn't even have to be dumplings like i'm just picking those out because because that... it's something it, like it's something that kids can do and so it's a really right. easy thing that you and your you know like you can all do as a family like, right? like even like making cookies right like yeah 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 exactly you know you you mix it all up in a bowl and you're kind of doing sort of whatever so like there is something to the idea of like the dumpling as like a a kind of uh 
um, you know, it's like a food that brings the family together. And so I was just like, wow, about that. But then even on top of it, right, like the kind of um, the kind of, you know, storyline that he goes through um, where it's not just a break in, you know, it's not just a break in the I'm a teenager growing up, but it's also kind of a break in like the culture clash or whatever. Like all that stuff felt very like real and interesting though i do want to say that the best part of the whole short was when she like opens the door to his room and he's like talking on the phone and he has these cheetos all over the bed and there's something about the way that they animated his mouth being huge as he's like laughing and eating these fucking cheetos that i thought was insanely funny i don't know what else to say about that but yeah, I thought Bao was great. I was all I was I was on board with it. Yeah, no, I like like I said, I, I I was touched by it. Like you know, there's like the moment where she eats it. I'm like, what? Well, this has to be a metaphor, right? And then like yeah, yeah. And then like he shows up, and it's and it's and it's very clearly a metaphor. Um, I don't know. I, I was just, also wondering if it wasn't if it was maybe like a modern retelling of like a fairy tale. You know what I mean? Um, because like obviously people do this with the kind of. You know, like grim fairy tales and shit like that, but um, or like Handel or whatever. Um, but a lot of those fairy tales are a lot more like brutal. Um, and maybe, and I was, and I was thinking to myself, like maybe this is like a Chinese fairy tale or something that's being like updated to sort of like a modern, um, you know, that's this sort of being updated to like a modern lens aesthetic sort of thing. And and the maybe it just ends with like the tragic ending of she fucking eats the dumpling and it's super sad. Yeah, I, I could see that. I, I am unaware of of uh, and, and any Asiatic legends about eating dumpling children. Um, As am I. I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that about brings us to the halfway mark. So I think we can transition into the uh, the stupidest movie I've seen in a long time. <laughs> so what is your what's your background with like the Jurassic Park movies? So I watched the original trilogy when I was very young, um, relatively young I guess, but I don't really remember them. I went and rewatched um, the first one, Jurassic Park, um, before Jurassic World One came out, uh, just because um, you know it was it was a thing I hadn't watched in a while, and like it was kind of there, there was discussions about like you know like the practical how the practical effects hold up with like the kind of minimal CG they did. And so I wanted to see that. And so that's fresher in my mind. And then obviously I saw last, uh, you know, 2015's Jurassic world. And then, uh, and then this one, this, this thing. Um, um so, uh, yeah, I'm actually like a huge in, in my, in my history of huge apologetics for movies that are, that are thought to be bad in the popular conscience. I'm a huge apologizer for the, the, the sequel, the Steven Spielberg directed sequel to Jurassic Park, the lost world. I think the lost world is great. I actually, I don't think it's better than the original Jurassic Park, but I like it better than, than Jurassic Park. Cause I think that it's a, um, the one with William H. Macy. Uh, no, 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 no. The one where, where the POV. So the original Jurassic Park, the POV character is, um, uh, uh, Sam Neill, uh, Alan Grant, right? Like the paleontologist or whatever. He is basically the protagonist. Um, and the journey, a lot of, like a lot of the journey is about his unwillingness to have a family and then, then to have a family sort of thing. That's like his personal arc. And Ian Malcolm, who is Jeff Goldblum is there. Um, but he's just kind of like a snarky wise ass. I like his snarky wise assery and his perspective a little bit more so hit when the when jurassic park 2 comes out um and it is 
his it is a, a story focused on him um and kind of like his perspective on like the dinosaurs and stuff it works a lot better for me um but yeah but like but you know the the the, the original jurassic park um and the sequels were like a pretty big deal like man like fucking everybody was into yeah. dinosaurs uh when we were when we were kids and i remember like seeing jurassic park in theaters and like being absolutely terrified because that movie's like scary um especially because like you know like there are these kids like the kids getting hunted by the raptors in the kitchen jesus christ um and then uh and then jurassic world came out and i was like well this is one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life uh because it's really bad and then this movie came out and was like yo but i think i might be worse than jurassic world i don't know if this is worse than jurassic world or not um I'm I'm a little on 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 the fence about it. So I I thought like that, the first Jurassic World was fine, nothing special, but like just kind of like, whatever, it's a blockbuster, um, but it didn't uh, like plumb the depths of stupid that this one did. Um, it, it, I don't know. This movie just like made my head hurt in a lot of ways, and like a lot of it is things that I can throw out is me being like I'm gonna like you know would fall to kind of like classical nitpicky bullshit stuff right like you know like you can't get that close to lava without it like seriously hurting you right like and you know that's when I'm going to be like okay whatever but there's a couple of those but then like just like real kind of basic stuff that's like you know I thought they needed to get blue but they made the dinosaur that they needed blue for without blue and I don't think they made it in a night because that would be like a weird plot development. But the dinosaur that they needed blue for was already there, and they were selling it. It's like, why did they? Why did they need to get blue? Uh, like they they made the the in in, in the Indoraptor with, without blue, which I thought was was like. So what was the whole point of the first half of the movie? Um, why did they need Owen in the first half of the movie at all if they were just gonna fucking shoot the thing? Like, they don't need him to go yell at the fucking raptor for them to shoot it. Especially not with, like, like, it's, it's Buffalo, the guy who played Buffalo Bills, the, 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 the bad guy, right? Like, it's, it's like, and, like, they, they kind of, like, makes the heel turn, like, immediately with no kind of, like, for, for no, like, they don't even, like, like, they just kind of, like, shoot it and he's like, hey, what the fuck? And they're like, ah, oh, fuck you. And they shoot him and he's kind of like, oh. I guess he's doing the heel turn now. It, it felt very sloppy in a lot of ways. Yeah, I think all that stuff got, like, really rushed. Um, the, the, this, the Indoraptor going nuts in, like, this mansion in Northern California, I thought was, like, just so dumb. Yeah. Like, you know, like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't understand how the, the, the first half of the movie is not enough to sustain the whole plot. Yeah, that just no, feels like because like the idea that there is a volcano erupting, right? Um, there's a volcano erupting, and we need to save the dinosaurs on the island. Why do you have to do anything else besides that, right? Like, I I don't know if did you ever see like any of the volcano movies that came out in like the '90s, right? Like Dante's Peak. Um, I don't or, think so. Uh, I think there's one just called Volcano, where like a volcano sprouts in the middle of fucking Los Angeles. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, so, like, okay, so, like, Mount St. Helens happens in the late 80s, um, and because the 90s film is, is, is garbage, I mean, seriously, fucking, okay, anybody who says that, like, film is bad now, please go back to the late 90s, 
like let's 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 return to some of like the big movies uh from that day and age what and so one of the big like genres that was coming out was were these kind of like natural disaster movies that were a little bit like the towering inferno um uh, there's another one from the 70s that I can't remember. But, like, they're updates of those kinds of things. And, like, the whole thing is just, there is a volcano erupting. How does, how do you get out of that? How do you deal with that? And there's all these different things that happen. Like, oh, you know, acid is leaking from these underground vents into the lake. And now the lake is an acid lake. And they need to get to the other side of the lake to to dodge you know, like the lava flow or something like that. You know, like you can create yeah. a lot of really interesting stuff with that. And they did fuck nothing with it in Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. They just completely ignored it and didn't care at all. All you got was like the the scene that, that was completely ruined by the like the trailers or whatever. But that's not even this that's like the end of Act One, practically. Yeah. Um And uh and then they do like the rest of this like house like the Indoraptor in the house movie see, on the mainland, which I thought was so dumb. See, I, I think you could even like have transferred it into the, into like the weird auction stuff, like a little bit with with without it being too bad. But like like the the Indoraptor stalking around the house, just it's like an unnecessary like what like 10, 20 minutes of that movie that could have just been cut. Yeah, like it, it was like it's almost entirely pointless. Um. Other than we want to show off, I, I guess they felt like they didn't get enough of the blue is 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 Chris Pratt's best friend and needs to needs to save Chris Pratt, so they needed to set that up. I guess maybe for some fucking dumb reason. I, so, like it's, it's 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 just why is that there? I, I I don't understand. What who is so? I actually thought that like, uh, fucking Lockwood or whatever his name is. I thought that was like a name that I had just forgotten from one of the earlier movies. Is he or is he just like a, a new invented character? I'm pretty sure he's just a new and invented character. Yeah, this is, um, I thought all of that stuff was also insanely dumb. I really liked how Eli or whatever, like the bad guy's name immediately is like, oh, and by the way, I'm the huge bad guy when he introduces yeah. himself or whatever. Cause he says like, oh, I, you know, I was hired when I used to be young and idealistic. Oh, ha, 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 ha. And I was like, yep. He's he's the bad guy. Yeah. He's the villain. Everybody <laughs> like. Oh yeah, and like honestly, when they're like, and there's the granddaughter, right? Like I was like, oh, this is gonna be some like, some dumb twist, some bigger dumb twist, right? Like like that she's like half dinosaur or something, especially with all like those callouts to like it needs a mother to like imprint on or whatever, right? I was like, oh, it's gonna be her, and she's gonna be like half dinosaur or something dumb like that, and then like the big reveal is supposed to be that photo, right? But I was like, like I didn't understand that like i didn't get that like like the way he like fucking like yells out oh she's a fucking clone is stupid but i think kind of necessary right because like they show the photo and they look the same but like that's kind of like what you do to show someone as someone's parent is have them look the same like it's not clear that she's (laughs) she's exactly a clone i see i was completely misled by the photo because i thought the photo was saying that, like, the maid that was taking care of the guy was, like, secretly her mom, and her mom was still alive, and the heir to the estate, and therefore could, like, countermand Eli or something like that, because, like, she was in the photo or whatever. Right. See, and I was like, and I was like, oh, it's, or, like, her grandmother or whatever. I was like, oh, it's her grandmother, but it's a secret or something like that. Um, but I didn't say it like that because I was just really fucking, 
I was really bored. Yeah, no, I and I and like I guess it's like the old fo- like the old quality of the photo, or whatever. But I thought like the the thing was supposed to be that like the 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 kid's hair was red, and I thought it was supposed to be that like Claire was like like they stole Claire's DNA and made the kid out of it. Initially, it was like that's weird, but maybe I guess. And that, like and then he's like shouts like oh she's a clone of her mom and like oh oh I guess that's that's all that that was. Okay. Yep. And pretty you, boring. Yeah. Pretty dumb. Not a lot of fun. Also, <laughs> also the fucking like, oh my, this, oh this, they fucking let the dinosaurs out into Northern California, right? Like, and yeah. it's the kid that does it because they're like me. They were cloned. You can make new fucking dinosaurs. This whole plot doesn't make any sense. You can make new fucking dinosaurs. Like, I get the want the the desire. To preserve the existing species, right? Like, I think that that's a fine enough motivation. But this whole, like, all the dinosaurs will die, will re-extinct if we let them die. It's like, you have the lab. You have the lab. You made another dinosaur. You can make another dinosaur. None of this technology went away. You just make more dinosaurs. You don't have to, like, unleash terror on fucking Northern California. Like, you can make more dinosaurs. This isn't a problem. I, I also, like, I also appreciate even how, for how dumb it is, right? I appreciate how... The, like, the idea is that you end it with, like, okay, the dinosaurs have gotten free. They are now on planet Earth or whatever. But at the end of the day, like, 15 fucking dinosaurs get free. And they get free in the United States. How many fucking... 300 million guns are in this country, right? We couldn't deploy the National Guard to go shoot all the fucking T-Rexes, right? There's only one that got released, and then there's, like, a couple of what? You know, velociraptors or whatever? I was just like, I could not, you cannot convince me, right, that we, do, we don't have the infrastructure necessary to curtail, like, two dozen dinosaurs that get released into the wild in, you know, like, the most technologically developed nation on the planet. Right? Now, when bears get out of hand, we murder the shit out of them. I know, right? That's exactly what I was thinking, right? Like, I was like, we- if a four-foot-tall black bear, right, can get can get destroyed by, you know... I, 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 that, you know, we that fucking, part was we deal so with this dumb. exact problem. We have alligators in Florida. It's basically exactly the same problem. Exactly. <laughs> um, right, like... And, and the fucking, like, the, the giant fucking uh, sea beast is, like, not even related to this plot, right? Like, yeah, like the plesiosaur or whatever that showed up at the end. Yeah, that only shows up because, like, of, like, like it's incidentally related, but it's not, like, they don't let that one out. That one has been floating around since, like, minute two of the movie. Um, I guess it went to, Cal- to, to California instead of, like, Mexico, which it was directly offshore from. Whatever. Um... Uh, like, <sighs> not to mention, by the way, this and, my, and this is kind of like my favorite thing. And I don't know, I am typically so good at this, but I just couldn't get rid of it um, in my head. So the fucking um, the 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 dinosaurs would die. Yeah, because they can't mate. They they can't. First of all, they can't mate. Second of all, what are they gonna eat? You know what I mean? Like, what is I, Tyrannosaurus going to eat in order to keep in order to keep himself? healthy he is a predator that is adapted to taking down like diplodocus not like white-tailed deer you know what i mean like, i mean I, it's heavily implied by the end that blue lives off of like suburbanites like, yeah right, I know. <laughs> and they literally talk about how she is the very last velociraptor there are yeah. no velociraptors left 
Yeah. And like, what? Like, uh, I don't know. Like Jeff Jeff Goldblum's like, like the beginning part, like the the beginning part of his speech, the one that happens in front of the movie, is like, is like, like, like the 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 fake senator is like, what do you mean by that? And he's like, death. It's like, what? What are you talking about? How does gene modification just lead to death? You have to explain something, and then it cuts away, and then it cuts back to him at the end of the movie. He's like. Jurassic World! And it's like, oh, what, what, what? This doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, I love how he was like, and th- these creatures were here before us, and if we're not careful, they'll be here after. And I was like, no, it has nothing to do with you being careful. It has everything to do with you being fucking idiots. Like, <laughs> it is the simplest, most straightforward thing on the planet to go out and murder these guys, right? Like, maybe, okay, like, maybe, like, compies, because they're small, and there were a whole bunch of them that got released, or whatever. Like, maybe you could make, a, maybe you could tell me that there's, like, a conf- compy breakout, which are, like, the tiny little dinosaurs that, like, sure. show up in the, in the beginning of Jurassic World, eat the kid, Rah! you know, like, whatever. Um... Maybe, but like every one of those other dinosaurs, like what the fuck? How are you not going to be able to stop a triceratops with a fucking tank? What? <laughs> like, also the triceratops probably isn't too much of a problem, right? It hangs yeah. out in the forest and eats bushes, right? Like, <laughs> not to mention that I don't think I think it just doesn't survive, right? What is it is it going to eat in Northern California? Does it have the proper vegetation for that? If we released an elephant in the wild in Northern California, it would also starve to death, right? Like, I'm just... Yeah, I mean, like, I, I, like that's the thing that I'm willing to hand wave away, right? Like, it, it eats a bunch of bushes and it just works, right? Whatever. Like, that that, that doesn't bother me too much. Yeah. Um, But, like, you know, th- there's the, the whole rest of everything. Um... Uh, so, I wanted to know what you thought about, like, the there was a handful of overt political moments, and I th- was, like, I didn't know how to feel about them just because, like, I thought that they like they wouldn't age well, and I thought they were kind of, like, weird. And, and I'm going to lay out the three that I caught, which are um, the news ticker at the beginning says, uh, President questions the existence of dinosaurs in the first place. Um, and then... Bad Bugai McGee calls um, calls uh, Silicon Valley woman uh, uh, a, a nasty woman, and then uh, I'm pretty sure that the auctioneer was supposed to just straight up beat Donald Trump. Um, they like painted fucking jowls on that guy's face, and they had his toupee blow off as the fucking dinosaur ate him. Um, and I was like, you know, whatever for all those, like, you know, like for all those moments, it just kind of, it just felt really heavy handed and out of place to me. But oh I, I my could, God. you know, to be honest with you, I actually kind of missed all of that. Um, yeah, wow. I, mean, uh, I mean, I just, I caught a bunch of these moments cause they were kind of obnoxious about it. Right. Like, I, I feel like this is kind of like in the same vein of like, they zoomed in on her fucking boots as she got out of the plane to like make a point about it. And then like, you know, like they also like, you know, the woman is also like, you know, like, don't imply that I'm, that I'm incompetent. Um, and then call, goes and calls Chris Pratt a beefcake. Um, and it's like this, this, like, you know, they all just kind of like, like stuck out at me. And and like, I didn't catch the, the auctioneer thing initially, but I was like, those jowls are like very jolly. And are they trying to do that? And then like the, it really solidified it for me when like the, 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 uh, Indoraptor, like, Yells at him, like, as it's going in on him, the hair blows back. I'm like, oh, that's definitely what this is supposed to fucking be. Um, 
I don't know. It, it, like I said, it just seemed really like really. Uh, I don't know. I guess I guess like you know either it'll be like I can imagine in twenty years like this will be like a today I learned fact on Reddit. Um, can you hear that motorcycle? I did hear that motorcycle. Is Owen Grady outside your door? Uh, did he did he finally take out his sweet hog? Fuck that character. The fucking uh, nerd character. Like he eventually gets there, but like the first like. Three appearances he has, which is him being like, just, just like rubbed me the wrong way. I know. I was so. Actually, I have to say, I really like that actor. Um, I've talked about on the cast before about how much I like the uh, the Netflix miniseries, The Get Down, uh, by Boz Lerman, um, which is like a thirteen episode miniseries about the rise of hip hop in the um, uh, in like the seventies and eighties in the Bronx, um, which is a really cool like moment in in like history right where like djs figure out record scratches and beat breaks and stuff like that and all that stuff and it talks about all that stuff but justice smith who's the actor for that guy is the main character and he's really good uh and then in this movie he's 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 awful he's really bad he's garbo i i I don't (laughs) like i don't know how much of that is on him right because like he plays the character well i guess it's just stupid yeah, I mean, he and the other chick, there's a lot of teleporting about them that I thought was insanely dumb, um, you know, where they, like, go from point A to point B, uh, just kind of magically. Uh, like, they're teleporting all around the house, even though the house has all this, like, fucking, you know, security or whatever, right? Like, how does Justice Smith even know to, like, go there to, like, help, you know, whatever her name is, like, Zia, the 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 paleo vet veterinarian yeah, um, and stuff like that. Uh, so, like, on top of all of this other dumb shit, there is that dumb shit. Um, yeah, it's dumb, dude. This is a dumb, dumb, bad, dumb movie. I will say, there's actually one moment in this movie that it was that really got me. Um, and that was at the end of, uh, of, like, the sequence where they're getting on the boat. Which, by the way, was so fucking stupid and dumb. Let's just... So dumb. So stupid. Extra stupid and extra dumb. Um... The uh, uh, the brachiosaur like coming up up the docks as like the lava was coming in. Did that did that moment work for you at all? No, that was just like that felt to me like just straight up like dumb emotional manipulation. That was like, you know, oh we can't kill any of like the the important ones, so we're gonna do the the, the brachiosaurs. Yeah, I was actually I I really felt that I was like, oh that's so heartbreaking, like. And I and I almost wish that that was just like what the I think like, this is what kills me about Jurassic World is that is that they just didn't do the volcano movie because I think there's so much you can do with this fucking volcano movie and I actually really like the setup of the kind of uh, of like the conservationist angle or whatever where the kind of um, uh, where God what's the fuck is her name whatever Bryce Dallas Howard says you know. Claire. Uh, that she, Claire, that she wants to, she turns into you know a conservationist. She wants to keep these these animals uh, alive or whatever. Um, and and like there, that's real. You know, like that's real tension and drama, right? Like, do you want to let these creatures go extinct or not? Sort of thing. Um, and I feel like all you have to you just write out all of this other bullshit with like 
the house and like the cloning facility here because all you have to do is say that the only cloning facilities were on the island right Right. in order to justify there being no more dinosaurs after because the cloning facilities would just get like destroyed or whatever or you can say that like oh all of the amber specimens are in like a vault and maybe that's like the MacGuffin you have to go to the amber vault and get all of the amber specimens that you like clone these dinosaurs out of or whatever Um, but that was like a real moment of pathos for me when I was like that is really heartbreaking right like there is this dinosaur and it's the last of its kind and it's about to die uh because of like the heartlessness of these like fucking like people and then the movie was just like yeah so (laughs) yeah i don't know i I think part of it was undercut for me because it's like it's not like the guy like it's 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 the heartlessness i guess of like the government that kills it right because like these guys are all saving like it's not like if they were actually trying to save them instead of sell them, it would have gone any differently, right? Like it's it's kind of the exact same thing. Uh huh. Um. So I don't I don't know it, it I don't know it just didn't resonate with me that way. Yeah, I mean I don't even think that the government is like wrong. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, no, I, I agree. Like I think Jeff Gold, like honestly, in the context of the world of Jurassic Park slash World, right? Yeah, Jeff- you have three independent failures of an attempt to like zoo the dinosaurs right in the first movie in the lost world when the t-rex gets loose in san diego right and then in jurassic world right like even when they do it right even when it is quote-unquote possible um for the you know for like the dinosaurs to be put in like a zoo or or whatever um that still inevitably breaks down. So, like, by the by the very twisted and wrong logic, I don't think that this is true, right? I don't believe for a second that if we could clone dinosaurs and if we did start cloning dinosaurs, that we would have any tr- trouble making safe facilities for them. Sure. Right? We have fucking elephants and tigers and lions and saltwater crocodiles in our, in our zoos. I'm sure we could figure out a fucking velociraptor okay uh, but in the context of the world right where this world is populated by idiots who cannot figure that out okay fine it makes sense to me to say yup let these creatures die we have demonstrated that we are utterly inept as a species <laughs> to to curtail their you know their ability to munch on our guts um uh and uh, and then I, I I I don't know and now and now we live in in now we live in Jurassic World I guess um, yeah I don't know <laughs> I'm actually kind of hoping that they do go somewhere like just out off the wall and like really interesting I always kind of wanted to be like I want Jurassic World three to be like a slice of life story about like a down on his luck farmer in like. Like a down on his like California farmer who the Triceratops wanders onto his strawberry farms and really likes strawberries. And the farmer's like, wait, this is like the greatest, like, you know, I don't know, like workhorse plow animal I've ever, I've ever encountered. And he like turns his farm business around by, by, you know, using the Triceratops in ingenious ways to, uh, to, to, to farm. You know what I mean? Like, I, just, <laughs> I don't want to see another movie where dinosaurs are like, you know, going around killing killing people. I want to see a movie where like dinosaurs are like like a dinosaur racetrack is, and it's like Sea Biscuit, but for fucking like whatever the 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 Pylopteryx or whatever the thing with like the big dome head, and they race those or something. 
I, that's the movie I want to see. Like, let's break out of the mold a little bit, you guys. See, I, I, uh, did, did you see the uh, preview for The Meg before, uh, before your viewing of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? No, I actually didn't, though. I have watched that trailer, like, three times. I have, I had not seen it, and my, my thought immediately upon exiting the movie is, like, The Meg could be, like, a stealth sequel to, to this movie. Because the Megalodon is, is, is another prehistoric shark. Um, I am excited for that film on just kind of like a related note. Because it looks like it's going to be incredibly stupid, but in a way that I can enjoy. Um, uh, like, it's like Jason Statham and, like, Rain Wilson and, like, a giant fucking shark. Yeah. Um, and, like, I, I am I'm excited for, like, that level of stupid. I, 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 am, I am totally on board. Um, uh, because I think it will know it's stupid. Because like it, it seems like 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 Rain Wilson no like like is, is lampshading the entire time. I yeah, feel like yeah, I, 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 that's what I want. That's what I want yeah. to be the case for that movie. Um, um, I think you could have done that for this movie, um, but they didn't. They did whatever the fuck they did with this pile of flaming trash. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say, man. Jurassic World. Oh boy. I, and you I don't, think you at the end of the day. Me- uh, the, the, the thing that kills me is that there is that flash where the guy does that mo- – the, the, so the other thing about the Brachiosaur is that the Brachiosaur represents, right, like metaphorically in the, in the Jurassic Park franchise, right, the kind of beauty and like wonder and like majesty of these creatures, right? When the big swelling ba-ba-ba-ba-ba yeah. plays in the first movie, it's because they're looking at – they're, they're, they're looking at Brachiosaurus, right? And so I think that's a little bit of also why, like, that moment, the tragedy of that moment worked for me. Um, because, like, I kind of got it. And there was that image of, like, the smoke and then the fucking thing, and it's, like, rearing back on its hind legs like we saw in the first movie trying to eat, but in this one it's trying to breathe. And I was like, you know, like, that, that I don't know, that, like, that was such a real moment and it was a real moment that was like visual and and you know cinematography it wasn't words on the page it was just it was something that they did like with the camera and you could tell that like that was you know like that's something that a competent director does but then the whole rest of the movie is something that an incompetent director does and somebody who doesn't give a fucking shit about this movie does you know and so i have a weird time like reconciling those two halves of it you know what you know what really kills me this movie has made a billion dollars, so I, I don't know if it's a r- literal billion, but like it's made like a ton of money, and it's gonna keep making a ton of fucking money. And um, the fucking scene where uh, where where uh, fucking bad guy gets eaten by the Indoraptor, right? Like, like that was fine. Like I thought, like the cleverness there was 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 all right, but the fact that it like opens its eye, its eye and smiles at the camera. And, like, my entire theater erupted in laughter. I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. This is this is what this, this, this series is. Like, dumb, stupid, for dumb, stupid people. It's like the next Transformers, I guess. I don't know. It's just, it's just depressing. Yeah. <sighs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I mean, the next Transformers movie that's coming out is Bumblebee. It's coming out, I think, the same day as Aquaman. Honestly, uh, or maybe like the same like week as like Aquaman or something. So so, uh, f- so. F- funny story about that. I hadn't um, seen that trailer until before Incredibles, um, and I initially thought it was another reboot of the Love Bug. So you know, at least we're not going down that rabbit hole again. 
<laughs> I can't funny. believe I can't believe I was relieved to see it was a fucking Transformers film. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean it's directed by Travis Knight, who is uh, like the the guy who's done a bunch of stuff with Leica, the the stop motion animated studio. Okay. Um, Travis Knight is actually pretty funny because he is the son of I think like the the CEO of Nike or something like that. Um, so. Uh, or, like, the, his dad, like, owns Nike. So he basically just can do whatever the fuck he wants, which included a rap career um, as, like... God, I can't even remember his, like, rap name. I need to, like, look it up now because it's such a, like, a f- hilarious piece of trivia. Um, uh, but, yeah, he directed uh, Kubo and the Two Strings. Oh, okay. Which is, like, the most recent, you know, like, the most recent thing. Um, under I like his, Okay, his, rap, his rapper name was Chili T. <laughs> Well, you know. Yeah, please feel free to look that up. It's hilarious. That's uh, the world we fucking live in, I guess. Um, but I guess that's. Did you want to say anything else about Jurassic World? <laughs> no. All right. I just want to get. I just want to get away from from Jurassic World. <laughs> how how was how was your week? Uh, my week was actually pretty good. So I have done it, Mango. I have I have beat World of Warcraft. I have I have achieved all of my. Um, uh, I've, I've achieved all of my individual goals that I set out for myself, um, when it comes to, uh, the, um, when it comes to the different things that I, that I was focusing on the end game, I've done all of the, I didn't do all of the Mage Tower appearances, I don't really care about the majority of the appearances, and I only set about ten of them out for myself, and I was like, these are the ten I'm gonna focus on, uh, and the other night I got the tenth of them, uh, and then I just picked up a bonus one, because I was like, you know what, why don't I... You know, why don't I just go back and and see if I can um, and see if I can get uh, another one for my rogue? So I picked up the assassination one, which was actually surprisingly easy. Uh, I actually just one shot it um, because the the encounters are the same, but like across classes, um, you it, it it's like both an interesting challenge to kind of reinterpret the 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 the, um, the encounter through the eyes of a different spec. Um, and there are some specs that make things easy and some specs that make things hard. Um, <clears throat> for instance, I had, a, I had a much easier time doing the Arms Warrior challenge than I had doing the Frost Death Knight challenge, even though it's the same one. Um, but then, I, but then you know, once I once I kind of figured out all the different uh, all the different challenges, I one shot. I also one shot the the Windwalker Monk one. That one was super easy um, because. The, I don't know. The mechanics are just like really straightforward. Yeah, well, and I guess it, I kind of like overgeared it. Once it got my eye level up, it was it wasn't very difficult. Um, yeah, yeah. I feel like it was just a DPS race at the very end of it. I have you know I was like nine level, like nine twenty five or something. Yeah. Um, plus I had pride as like having pride as made that encounter. Yeah. Like, laughably easy. Yeah. No, that's that's basically the the only trick to that one was like binding a key to to lightning to kill the fucking totems, and that that was. That like once I had that trick in my pocket, it, it made it. It was it was relatively trivial. Um, um and then uh, and then I also got ahead of the curve, so I got the the violet spellwing mount, which is like the mount that's going away. So the artifact appearances are going away, and the and the mount is going away. Um, <clears throat> they uh um they they put the the release patch, you know, the the 8.0 release patch is coming out uh, sometime in the next couple of weeks. So. Uh, I don't know. We're we're getting we're getting closer every day. Neat. Um, before we go on, do we want to talk about the uh, 
the uh, the the, the, uh, the fucking D and D session. Oh, oh, Hell's Rebels. Yeah, yeah, we played Hell's Rebels. What? Uh, yeah, how was that? How did you, did you have fun? Did you have fun there? Oh, uh, you know, Beauregard <laughs> was obviously very angry. Um, and like I, <clears throat> I don't know. I was torn because like obviously this is Maragrug's session to shine, and I wanted Maragrug to like do his deal and let him take most of it. But like, I wanted to like. I had like a couple different things in my head that I just wanted to like yell at at this at this at this woman, um, uh, what Regdar? No, Regdar is the person. Ah, uh, Gora is Gora. Her yeah, that I wanted to yell at Gora, but like I, I I held my tongue for a little while and then let let Maragrig punch me in the throat. Um, uh, <laughs> and I don't mean let like as in like you know like I you know I recognize that it's it's not my my time to shine, um, but I I really just like. Wanted to tear into her. Uh, but, you know, it went the way it did. I think it's fine. It was it was a fun session, right? Like, it was definitely a, a, a cool kind of twist. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the core thing about it that I thought was important was kind of um, the sacrificial... Uh, group of Kolkari in a sort of way. I in a sort of way, this session is kind of like built to sort of punish that decision. But I but punish is really the wrong word, right? Like I think um, <clears throat> because like it's not that that is like the wrong decision and needs to be punitively dealt with or whatever. But it does have some kind of like consequences. Sure. Um, and uh, and I thought that it was important for Maragrug to look at. Uh, you know, like the 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 point of the session was about Maragrog kind of recognizing like the humanity of the other Kolkari um, and taking more responsibility as sort of like their leader, not to do something, uh, you know, sort of heinous um, along those lines. At least from uh, like at least from kind of Gora's perspective, uh, that is like really rooted in this idea that. You know the the that half orcs are persecuted, and that this is just another sort of sign of the you know like the sign of the oppression. Like the linchpin moment is when she demands his apology and his regret for that decision. Do you know what I mean? Like that was like the emotional centerpiece of like the whole session to me. Yeah. No. I don't know. Sure. And you know, I I think that works for Marigrug, and and that's. Plus, she is also she is also supposed to be like because uh, the other part of that is that she is not you know she is not diplomatic you know and she and she is has no compunction about telling you guys to fuck off because of it you know what I mean and so it's like how willing are you to deal with someone who is so blatantly like angry and hostile right um, yeah, no, that, that you know, again, I I deferred to to Mirror and all that stuff. Um I don't know. I was ready to kill her, but hey, that's me. Uh I don't know, it just felt to me like like the way that that like kind of like immediately manifested itself in kind of like Beauregard's mind, I guess. Um is kind of like she just kind of like walked over the border and like for lack of a better term, like appropriated, like the sacrifice of these Kolkari for herself, um, when she didn't really have to fucking do anything, right? Like, she has made no sacrifice. That that, that just like, and like the entire nation of Ravenel has like been killing itself to make itself Ravenel, right? Like has been has been sacrificing itself, and like mm -hmm. the the kind of like 
righteous, like the, the like snide righteousness of Gore in this situation just really got under Beauregard's skin. Um, yeah, I mean, she was a little designed to do that. Yeah, no, I, I, obviously, that, like, right? Because, you know, her perspective is so obviously oh, sure. like, rooted in, like, the half-orcs or whatever. Because from her perspective, right, like, this was an intense injustice that she is, like, she she needs to protect against, right? Sure. like, if she doesn't go to Ravenel and take over in Asiksazi, right, these people, like, these people are going to just keep exploiting um like exploiting like the kolkari people but like that also but she doesn't have a good sense for um the you know because she came in after the the ceasefire and everything she doesn't have a good sense for kind of like the war of independence that got fought um and doesn't equate sacrifice in the same way um that like you know the people who died in maple seed brook right she doesn't know about their sacrifice. Yeah. She doesn't value their sacrifice in the same way um, that she that she values the kind of um, yeah justice no. that that was suffered by the Kulkari. No, no, and th- that makes sense. That came across which is why, like I, you know, Beauregard didn't want to hand over control of those armies of people to her, regardless yeah. of how much sense it made militarily. Um, you know, it was it was it was it was an intense session and neat and. Uh, and, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. Uh... It's also the only opportunity... Like, I really like this idea of kind of, uh, like, I, you know, I describe Regdar as, like, Attila the Hun and Malcolm X and MLK and stuff like that. But I really like that framing, and I, I always like... And I, I, it's one that I use all the time. Um, and, uh, and I was glad that I got to bring it back. Uh, I, I was glad that I got to, like, bring it back and fold it into this campaign. Uh, at least in some, in some way. Uh, this actually kind of has its roots. Do you remember when we played that game, the fourth edition game in college, and you guys met? I don't think it was named Regdar back then, because I think I only picked up Regdar the name yeah. later. But that was kind of the er version of this, where like there was like an undercity underclass that was like of of half orcs. I don't know if I was in that game. No, you were su- you were super in that game. It was the game. Do you remember the game where um it was you, uh. I guess Aaron Abagaber, um, and uh, and one of the things that happened was like the like the s the the life force ha- of the whole region was locked in the was locked in the ranger, and then he died, and so the, the all of the lives in that region died because you listened to like the warlock's demon or whatever for advice or something. Yeah, I, I do remember that. I just don't remember the. I remember that mostly taking place in the forest. I don't remember the uh, the part about like the orc underbelt. The, yeah, yeah, I was, yeah, I was, was a Goliath. In the, that, that was the first log, I think. Um, oh my god! Yeah, you're right because he was a warden. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, because that was the first game where I kind of had this like half orc injustice uh, sort of like plot uh, going on that has now sort of matured over time. Yeah. 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 No, that was that was log log like wood, log like trees. Yeah. There we go. That was that character. Um, yeah. Good times. Uh, so, yeah, what have, what have you been up to? How's Warframe? How's PUBG? I haven't played a ton of Warframe um, because I kind of hit this point where uh, um, I, like, I have run out of weapon and, uh, uh, and Warframe slots, and you need, like, the premium currency to get those, and I could go try and trade some stuff for it, but I'm kind of just like every day you get like a daily reward and one of them in some of them are like discounts on platinum. So I'm waiting for a good discount to pop, ah, okay. uh, uh, which is 
steadily draining my my desire to play the game so maybe it's like not a great thing for this game to do but you know whatever it's whatever um i had fun while i played it if i don't go back to it um but i've also been playing a fair amount of uh vagante and victor vran i don't know if i'm spelling that uh, pronouncing that first one correctly um but it is uh uh it is it's bit it's it's another game that I play while I'm like listening to podcasts or whatever. Um, it's kind of it's a roguelike. It's like a side view roguelike that's kind of like Spelunky if you know what that is. Um, but with classes and with it's like fairly brutal and it's really tough and I never really get very far with it. But it's a fun thing to pass the time. And Victor Vran is like baby's first uh, ARPG. Um, it's not super deep, but it's fun and you just you get a lot of cool weapons and you and you derp around and you. Uh, like you could like each each weapon has three abilities on it, as opposed to like the Diablo style of like picking each of your uh, skills. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and so and it's 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 very much in that kind of vein of game though, right? Like kill a lot of enemies, derp around. It's got a little bit of complexity to it, but like I said, it's not super deep. Um, I play a little bit of Incredible Adventures of Van Helsing, which is like another kind of game in that genre, but, like, I, I don't know, I just couldn't care enough to keep going with it. Um, what else did I play? Um, I, pl- I have dipped my toes into, uh, Endless Space 2. Um, uh, Oh, interesting! I really liked Endless Space 1. Um. Yeah, so, um, actually, this is gonna lead into an, an, another thing. Uh, I've picked up a couple new YouTubers to watch this week that I can recommend. Um, uh, first one is Mandalore Gaming. Um, and he does a bunch of reviews of like uh, weird, like mostly uh, not like typical games. Um, it's the guy's name is Lord Mandalore. Mandalore Gaming is the name of the channel. Um, and he was he's like super, super informative. Or he's got a combination of like kind of like good exploration and criticism with like uh, with like humor, right? Like I, mm-hmm. I guess the I was I was gonna kind of describe him as like. A version, like an informative version of Seth Tzinch that I can like not feel ashamed for watching. Um, Seth Tzinch uh, is 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 the guy who made the uh, the Lizard Wizard video um, and whatnot, and his his humor skews uh, skews politically incorrect. So I don't usually recommend him, but he was he. Um, but like this, this guy basically kind of fills that niche for me. I, over the past couple of days, I basically watched all of Mandalore Gaming's reviews, and I'm eagerly awaiting the next one i have actually watched a couple of his reviews now that i'm like sitting here and looking at his channel um uh i guess it was just i don't know why i ever did i only watched one of them i watched his endless legend review well that, that's actually i watched that and that's why i picked up endless space too i was gonna pick up the endless legend uh 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 dlc and then i saw that they had endless space i was like i'll just do that yeah, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't even really remember what the review... What was his review of Endless Space? Uh, he didn't... I don't think he did a review of Endless Space. Um, oh, I'm sorry, his review of Endless Legend? I Like, I it well, says that I've watched this video. Yeah, but. no, it, it's it's basically just kind of like him going over what the basic features are. Um, he doesn't have, like, a, a, a super, like, deep read on, like, how... Like, like on, on, on how good it is, but he talks about how, like, the combat's not great. Um even though it does weird things and, and whatnot. It, it's, it's, um, uh, it's not like a, it's not super in depth on the, me- on the mechanics necessarily, but he goes into like the lore a bit. Um, and he does that with all these games, which is what I like. Um, cause endless legend actually has pretty deep lore. Um, uh, or not 
super deep because it's a 4x game but it's it, it's there um uh i actually got to him off he was like like a similar channel to like super bunny hop yeah uh, yeah so that that's that's why i that's how i found him and off of him i got um 8-bit brody and uh creel reviews um 8-bit brody is a dude who like dresses up like a uh like a used car salesman and goes and asks obnoxious questions to people at cons and it's fucking hilarious um uh it's uh and uh creel is he like he does they're they're called reviews but they're like animated um uh and they're not like super deeply animated and they're all like joke reviews but they're like um they're they're super funny and so i recommend i recommend them for that uh uh i recommend the uh the anime games review uh and uh the text murphy reviews if if you want to check them out uh Super entertaining, but that's kind of been my gaming stuff. Is watching Mandalore gaming talk about like what the fuck? Uh, he talked about a couple of Warhammer games, like the um, uh, like the one where you play as a as a Tau like sniper. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Um, and then he also talked about like the other battle for Middle Earth RTS. Um, that that no one rem- or the other uh, Lord of the Rings rather RTS that no one knows about. He's, he's got some very interesting stuff in there, like. Uh, recently did one on, it's called like Vang, Vangers or Vorangers or something. Um, and that, that game is fucking, looks trippy as fucking, it's, 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 it's deep. I highly recommend it to everybody. I'll put links in the description Fair for enough. all of that. Yeah, speaking of Warhammer, uh, I have continued in my like return to binging of Warhammer. I'm at 266 hours, which makes it my most played game uh, of all time on Steam. Uh uh, after or just on top of Civilization Five, Payday, Europa Universalis, and the original uh, Total War. That's my that's my top five. Um, <clears throat> and I've actually so I've started you know like I t- I've talked about like I kind of cycle campaigns where I have four campaigns going at any individual time, um, and I play the least recent one right where um, because I, I find that if I'm playing one campaign and if I'm glued into one campaign it can get boring and sort of repetitive but like when I come back to a campaign after three or four days um, of not playing for a while <clears throat> like when I came back to you know like my Tomb Kings game or whatever um, it always feels like a little it's like a little burst of sort of like freshness of like oh right this is what I was focused on you know, the, these were my goals. These were my army compositions. This is how Tomb Kings played. In fact, it also kind of means that I end up making more mistakes, funnily enough. Um, like, I just played a Tomb Kings game after f- beating, like, uh, like dwarves or something. Um, dwarves are very good because they have extremely powerful infantry and artillery. Um, and so something that you can do with dwarves is just kind of like run your army into their army and your army will probably win because dwarves have high leadership. You know, they're all armored and shielded. Um, you have high caliber units like hammerers that just like do fuck tons of damage. Uh, the tomb kings are like the opposite of that. Their top tier infantry unit is like really just okay. Um, and they shine with kind of their monstrous infantry, right? Like Ushtabi are really good. And they have a couple of like individual sort of like monstrous units that are that are like pretty powerful. Um, but I ended up marching one of my armies up against a Chaos army. And the Chaos army just fucking wrecked me. Because I was like, I was kind of using like a dwarf strategy um, when I shouldn't have been. And I really got sort of, uh, I really got sort of punished for it. Um, and like th- that's punishing and it sucks, but like the- it keeps the game sort of like fresh and fun, um, in uh, in a way. 
I, I have beaten three campaigns in this method so far. I beat the High Elf campaign with Alithanar. I beat a um, uh, I beat my Dwarf's campaign with Ungrim Iron Fist, where Ungrim Iron Fist was so powerful that he could basically like solo entire fucking armies. Um, and then I beat a Wood Elves campaign because, of course, I had to start a Wood Elves campaign. Um, and I probably beat it in like really record time, just because like the victory conditions for the Wood Elves are kind of. Um, uh, kind of straightforward and easy to easy to accomplish in a way that some of the other ones aren't. Um, <clears throat> one of the things that they started doing at the end of Total War um, One is they were adding these kinds of final battle like quests that needed to be defeated in order to um, in order to beat the game. So, like for instance, with Bretonia, you need to get to maximum chivalry. Right, and then it will open up a special quest battle that you can fight in, um, and if you beat that quest battle, you win the game. Um, with Wood Elves, if you get enough territory, either through kind of alliances and allegiances and stuff like that, um, or through conquest, you can then make you you then uh, upgrade the Oak of Ages all the way to its maximum level, and when you upgrade it to full, you can uh, you can fight a quest battle and win the game. Um, and that's fun and everything, and those quest battles are actually pretty interesting because they are, like, legitimately hard, right? Like, they are balanced to be hard. You can only take one army in there, so you kind of have to take, like, your best stack um, and, and be really careful about how you're using stuff because you don't have reinforcements or anything along those, those sorts of lines. Um, but uh, uh, I... In, in the Mortal Empires world, where you have this giant, huge world to go off of, um, those quest battles are a lot less compelling than, you know, being the dwarves and having to conquer, you know, practically all of uh, all of the mountain ranges in the world in order to win the game, um, which is, which sucks a little bit. So, yeah, that's that's my that's that's my that's, that's my total war thoughts, I guess. <laughs> Well, you know, good, good to, good to hear. Have uh, you been watching any like TV or anything recently? Um, no. I told you, like last, like last week, I watched Fargo. And I already talked about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Talked about the Coen Brothers. Um, this week has been a lot of. I watched a lot of YouTube. What if I? What else? I mean, if you want like my weirder YouTube watches, I can go into that too, right? Like. <laughs> I am now. Now that you've said it that way, now I'm a little intrigued. <laughs> like so, what? What is on your weirder YouTube watches? So let me see if I can. Find, I don't want to screw this up. Um, there's this uh, channel. Uh, there it is. Uh, that I I, I watch. Um, uh, Forgotten Weapons, which is a historical firearms channel, um, and that's just kind of like interesting, right? Like that's just. It, it, but uh, because I watched it, I got this recommendation for these guys called uh, Talful Dermouse. It's T A O F L E D E R M A U S, Talfleder Mouse or something like that. And one of the things they do is they like do like weird experiments with guns. Like there is a flare gun that um, shoots twelve gauge flares, so you could theoretically shoot a twelve gauge shotgun shell out of it. Um, and so they like they obviously take stage across, but they do it and it just like blows the fucking flare gun up because it's not meant to do that. They also have people, like, make custom co shotgun shells for them, and they just fire them into things. And it's, like, really kind of, like, f a fun way to burn time, right? Like, some dude, like, made a, a barbell-shaped one and just, like, rips through things. And some dude, like, like they were like, make one out of, like, uh, J-Weld, which is, like, an, like a, 
like a industrial like adhesive, I think. But like one of the advertisements on like one of the old ones is that you could like, it's like stronger than like bullets or something. And so they made a bullet out of it and it fucking worked. Um, and so that's just kind of like, you know, I, I go down these weird rabbit holes of like, uh, of, 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 uh, weird, uh, uh, videos sometimes, but that, that's kind of in my life. There's also this Japanese channel, which is, I can't pronounce it, but all his like videos are like sharpest X kitchen knife in the world. And he makes like knives. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I saw him make one in a fucking jello. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that was the, wow. I was like, whoa. Yeah, no. And they're, they're, they're fun to watch. Cause like, there's like this, I, I think it's like, like a, a, a quote unquote Japanese thing where it's just kind of like this dedication to kind of like being very patient and being very ritualistic about everything. Like, like doing things to like the utmost precision, even if that takes a long time, right? Like he makes a pair of like scissors out of like $2 kitchen knives. Right. And like, there's this like moment where he's like drilling holes in the kitchen knives to, uh, to, 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 to like put the screw in so we can do like the scissoring motion. Right. Um, and he, like, shows, like, how he very methodically is, like, drilling a little hole and then drilling a slightly larger hole and then drilling a slightly larger hole. I look at this, like, if I couldn't do that with, like, one drill press, I'd be like, oh, I guess it's fucking done with this idea. And, like, I think there's, like, definitely a cultural aspect to that. That's kind of, like, the, the willingness to just kind of, like, do, like, like, do everything, like, to the precision over and over again. Like, this is kind of, like, the, you know, glorious, like, katanas uh, folded folded 10,000 times or whatever like th that kind of like uh attitude uh comes through those videos. also there's like a level of surrealism where you'll just like do things that like aren't related um or like like he like in the middle of like i think this latest video he uh or it's i forget which video it is but like he like makes hot chocolate um and there's like uh like he he, he pours water out of like these uh cow shaped um uh like like pictures basically and it's kind of like weird but like in one video he's like he's just pouring water on them but he's like gone through like four or five different cows they're all just like sitting around very clearly just supposed to be like what is happening so they're a joy to watch because of that but it's you know again just like kind of weird youtube bullshit um but you know that, that's 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 uh <laughs> I'll, I'll put a link to all these channels in the in the description um but that's just kind of how I burn my time. Also watching cooking shows on YouTube. Oh, really? Yeah. I love, I love watch. I, I love, there's a ton of great cooking shows on YouTube. I actually, you know, it's funny that you mentioned cooking shows. Cause uh, I started watching Anthony Bourdain's parts unknown because, you know, like my mom really liked Anthony Bourdain and obviously, you know, he died rest in peace. Um, and that sucks. Uh, and I really didn't know anything about him or who he was or, kind of like what his like mindset was um but so parts unknown which was his cnn sort of travel slash cooking show um on netflix uh i started watching it and it was uh it was pretty interesting and kind of like you know eye-opening is like the wrong word but uh i i really i understand the appeal you know like he is a he is a a an interesting thinker and he has a, like a cool perspective on stuff um yeah i don't know Anthony Bourdain, uh, that's like, outside of, outside of just the, um, the typical stuff that, that, that I've been watching, like the Kroll show. I've talked about the Kroll show on the cast before, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I have, the Kroll show is so funny to me 
that I, I'm quoting it all the time now to people who've never even seen it, right? Like, so for instance, one of the characters in the Krull show is Brian LaCroix, who is kind of like a Justin Bieber, um, but also a little bit like, he's like a Canadian, you know, uh, he's on, he's on the, ver they call it Wheels Ontario, where everybody's in a wheelchair except for him. Uh, and it's like a Degrassi spoof sort of thing. Um, but like Brian LaCroix ends up becoming like a really famous like celebrity in the in like the world of the show, um, and he has uh, you know like the the they're the believers or whatever, and he has the Bryantologists, <laughs> and uh, and he makes a and he makes a rap video called Ottawa uh, I don't want to go to bed, and it's just like locations in Canada Canada like Ottawa. Manitoba, Vancouver, Toronto, but like want to go to bed, like Toronto want to go to bed. Um, and it's like, I just find it so funny, but I find myself like linking it. Cause there's like YouTube clips of all this stuff. I find myself like linking it to people just kind of apropos of nothing, which is the, the wrong thing. Nobody will ever look at any of this stuff and be like, that's really funny. I should watch the show because the reason the show is so funny is because like the interconnected absurdity of like the continuity of all these, you know, kind of fake reality shows. Um, uh, but yeah, I don't know, man. Just the cross shows are so good. It's just so fucking funny. <laughs> yeah. I, sounds, sounds entertaining. Um, Oh, and you know the other thing? I actually want to bring... Mm, well, we have a, we have kind of enough time. Remind me to do this next week if we run out of time a little bit. I have also... I also have started watching uh, Rick and Morty again. Because um, uh, I'm sort of running out of podcasts, I guess. And uh, and one of my... Pod, one of like the, the podcast crews that I like quite a bit, uh, the Wisecrack team, they have a, a podcast dedicated to Rick and Morty. Um, and so I was like, oh, hey, you know, like, I like Rick and Morty. I'll rewatch the whole series and, and listen to the podcast. And the combination of, um, rewatching the series in kind of like a post-Szechuan sauce world, um, and, and like the Rick and Morty meme world, and kind of listening to their fawning adoration for the show, because they were releasing episodes as it was coming out, like as new episodes were coming out, has kind of made me realize that I don't really think I like Rick and Morty anymore. I think I'm kind of over Rick and Morty. Um, mostly because I feel like everybody's watching a show that is just different to the show that I'm watching. Like, I feel like the Rick and Morty that I watch just loathes Rick and thinks Rick is a giant asshole and a huge piece of shit. And I feel like the Rick and Morty that... I see other people watching is the one where they say, Rick is so cool. I wish I was more like Rick. Do you know what I mean? And that dissonance is just really getting to me these days. Yeah, no, I, I think, I think that that's, uh, I think that's fair. Um, I think that, um, I think you're right. I think that the show wants, what well, wants you to think that Rick's like kind of an asshole. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, it really, it really hit home with the pickle Rick episode. Uh, like the, the, the podcast that they did for the Pickle Rick episode. Because to me, the end result of that episode, like the, the hilarity of that episode, is that Rick tries to give the therapist shit, and the therapist just meets him blow for blow. You know what I mean? And so Rick is like, 
oh, you know, like, I think that you're just, you know, you're helping me be a sheep or whatever, right? And I don't need somebody in a fucking strip mall to tell me whatever. And she's like, no, like, you you think of your intelligence as this thing uh, that you don't control because the idea that you control the most powerful thing in the universe is that existentially, like, terrifying, right? And so to me, like, the therapist comes off at the end of that episode, like, beating Rick, at his own game in a lot of ways. Like, she th sees through his bullshit, right? His This kind of, like, you know, nihilism that he sort of has. But as I was listening to the podcast, everybody in the podcast was like, yeah, and they really fucking, like, showed how dumb, like, therapy was. And I was like, what? Like, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> that's a very... That's like, a, I don't know. Maybe it's just the, the combination of these two has really put me in a weird spot. Because, like, I like shows like this. Like, BoJack Horseman is also the same. I mean, The Venture Brothers is my favorite TV show of all time. And it is the er show of all of these, right? We wouldn't have Rick and Morty or BoJack Horseman um, or American Dad. We wouldn't have any of these kinds of shows that are sort of about uh, the, the these, like, deep-cutting satires. Um uh, without the Venture Brothers, but the Venture Brothers is ruthless to its characters, right? That whole show is just about how awful everyone is and that how they are all failures um, because of it. And uh, and so, I don't know. I don't know, man. I, I, I like Dan Harmon a lot. I think Dan Harmon is great. I have hopes for fucking Rick and Morty season four and everything like that, but I... Ugh, it, it, this has been like a weird like whiplash thing for me over the last couple of yep. weeks. Maybe I'll. I haven't actually ever watched season three, so uh, maybe I'll. Really? Even, yeah, I just never got around to it. And I didn't care enough, and then like Szechuan sauce happened. And I was like, maybe I don't need to put time into this. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, uh, maybe I'll go back and do that. I need to. I also want to finish out. Um, I started watching Trailer Park Boys a while ago. And I really want to finish that out because that's kind of got like the same kind of cultural cachet, at least to me, that um, that you're, you're describing with, like, quoting the cultural all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, my brother quotes Trailer Park Boys all the time. Uh, things like, also Canadian-themed, uh, so things like, uh, uh, like, the the one dude character is known for his malapropism, so, like, he says, uh, like, worst, worst case Ontario and uh, rocket appliances instead of rocket science. Uh and worst case Ontario instead of worst case scenario. So like mm. just stuff like that. I want to, I just kind of like this, this show is hilarious. And I really want to dig into that. Yeah, um, I know. It's nice that it's nice that Trailer Park Boys is on Netflix. The, the thing about yeah. the Kroll show, I saw the Kroll show when it was still on Hulu, but it's not on Hulu anymore. Uh, so I had to buy it on Amazon uh, for like, you know, whatever, 10 bucks, 20 bucks for like a season or whatever. Um, and I do not re regret that purchase at all, right? $60 for this show is a fucking bargain for how like great it is. So that's my official recommendation to all of you, to all of you out there. If you have, you know, don't buy the new, I don't know, what's a, what's a new $60 game they come out? Don't, don't fucking buy Mario Tennis Aces. Mario Tennis Aces. Go buy the three seasons of Kroll Show and watch them end to end because then you'll understand my, my memes a little bit better, I guess. <laughs> there, there you have it. <laughs> um, yeah. Um... I think that's all we have time for this week. Next week, we'll be talking about uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. So stay tuned for that. If you'd like to talk to email us, tell us what you thought of Jurassic World or Incredibles 2 or any of the other things we shot, talked about on the show. Uh, you can email us at podcast at subdurisplaygames.com or subdurisplaygames at gmail.com. Um, uh, you can follow us at twitch.tv slash subdurisplaygames. Uh, 
you can uh, rate and review us on iTunes and everywhere great podcasts are found. Uh, and I think that's everything I had. Buddy, did you have anything else you wanted to promote? Nothing besides the Crow Show, apparently. Uh, well, in that case, until <laughs> next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>